Welcome to Methods, a podcast from the ESRC National Centre for Research Methods. In today's episode, we discuss how synthetic data sets could help researchers assess and overcome concerns about privacy. Our guest is Professor Dave Martin from the University of Southampton. We start by asking him about the main challenges facing researchers looking to work with geographically referenced administrative data. One of the things that is possibly worth just just rehearsing in order to uh, start and answer that question is what we tend to do when we are not using detailed administrative data. So if we had a research question and we were interested, for example, in the way in which unemployment impacted on people's health, we might go and look for published data, such as from a census, where those data have been aggregated and we'll have maybe a small area and we'll know that there are a certain number of people with poor health and a certain number of people who are unemployed. Because the data have been put together across a lot of individuals, we don't truly know what the relationship is between the individuals who are unemployed and the individuals in poor health. And so one of the strengths of using administrative data is that we can see the individual level relationships. But researchers are not interested in the identities of those individuals. So All the data which would be used in the context of most administrative data research is that the data are anonymised. So names, addresses, perhaps dates of birth, identifying characteristics, which actually would let you see who the individuals are, are removed, leaving the researcher with the ability to look at just the variables of interest for the analysis. In this case, we stick with the the example, we see maybe some contextual information about these individuals, their employment status and state of health. Geographical data pose a particularly interesting set of additional challenges. So if we just adapt the question and said, well, how might health be related by where you live, whether or not you're living next to a main road, what kind of access you've got to public services. If we go calculating detailed geographical information, that allows us to work out exactly how far somebody is from a bus stop or a GP surgery, where they are in relation to a main road, that geographic information starts to become potentially disclosive again. Because it's so unique, we often may put a data set together and find there really only are a few people, a few households that have that unique geographic characteristic. And that balance between getting the research data that answers the question and ensuring the privacy of the individuals in the data set is exactly where the key challenge lies. And it's something that a data provider is always having to judge when a researcher comes to them and asks whether they can access administrative data in order to do research. So when looking at the risks associated with disclosing someone's personal information, understandably, you can't make use of real data on real people, as this in itself would be too risky. So what was your proposed solution to this? We are really interested in delving further into how we can help researchers and data owners find that right balance between geographical detail in the data and protection of confidentiality. And therefore, what we want to do is to apply a set of techniques for the best way of aggregating small numbers of records. We can't play with the real data, obviously. We can't go to a government department or a national statistical agency and say, can we just experiment with real data? So what we've been doing is assembling a synthetic population that looks very much like the real one, but isn't full of real individuals. And if I just explain a little more about what that means, um, at the highest level, 
There are some samples of anonymised data which are available from the Office for National Statistics from the most recent census. They're very generalised. They'll have the characteristics of some individuals. They might tell us which region of the country those people lived in. It's a small sample. There's no identifiable geographic information at all. It's really very high level. And the ESLC Consumer Data Research Centre have done some very interesting work with that synthetic population in order to try and make it match up to the characteristics of the known population at a kind of middling geographical scale for a set of units called middle layer super output areas. Sounds a bit of a mouthful, but there's, uh, there's zones with about 7,500 people in them. And what they've done is kind of cloned the characteristics of known individuals in a way that fit with what we actually know the population looks like at that sort of middling scale. And that's a very interesting uh, data resource in its own right. But what we've been doing in this project is, as it were, taking those individuals and grouping them into households and assigning them to proxy address locations so that we've got for England and Wales a complete distribution of people who match up broadly to the characteristics of the census data right down to a small area level. And they are grouped together in households that have got actual grid references in the kind of neighbourhoods where people actually live. But if you went and looked at any of our grid references, they're not necessarily the grid reference of any particular house. And if you looked at those individual households, we have no way of knowing whether there really is a household that's got particularly that mix of people. But they're plausible in the sense that if you group them together over you know, groups of three or four hundred people, they've got the right overall characteristics. And that synthetic population means that we've got a safe way of conducting experiments on what's the best way of designing zones, what's disclosive and not disclosive, but all the data that we're playing with are non-disclosive because they're synthetic people. And so this synthetic uh, data research is quite an identifiable strand in the work of um, NCRM, the Administrative Data Research Network, quite a lot of people who are trying to develop methods of working safely with administrative data, but where what we want is a synthetic population that looks like the real thing but it's got no real people in it. And that's the space we're working in. So how can you be sure that this synthetic data set is realistic enough to use? Is it it all in the methods of how how you go about creating it? So effectively, the things that we know are that for each small area, the census groups people into things called output areas, we have 300 people in them typically. For any variable, we know how many of those are people, let's say the elderly living alone, how many are two children living with two adults, and how many of them are unemployed, how many of them are employed, self, maybe self-employed, part-time employed, full-time employed. And what we've done is taken a few key characteristics, about nine variables, which give you the broad parameters of the population, and made sure that our synthetic data matches up to those. And also, importantly, they're in the places which you would really find um, streets with houses. So there won't be any of our people sitting out in the middle of a field or in the middle of a lake. They're all actually in urban centres with a density which reflects the way that we're all living in actual urban places. And that means that we can start to rehearse, as it were, the the real geographical questions about how, how well of our synthetic people served by public transport and understand where the thresholds lie and how far you can, can break the data down and be sure that you're not doing anything disclosive if you were to replicate it with the real data. 
Now, key to all of this is, is something you referred to earlier, which is called zone design. I just wonder for those that are not in the know, if you can explain what that is and, and how it comes into play. Sure. Here. So, again, I'll refer to the sort of the standard way of doing this with something like a census. Um, when the census is conducted, we have data about every individual in the country, or actually the statistical agency who are conducting the census have those data. And what they've got to do is design a set of zones which data can be published for. And for the last two censuses in England and Wales, 2001 and 2011, we've actually used a process called automated zone design, again using techniques which we've developed here in Southampton and geography and around the NCRM, which allows them to set some constraints. For example, they don't want any zones with less than 100 people, no zones with less than 40 households, we want them to be sensibly sized and shaped when we put them on the map. And we use the computers to come up with small area aggregations that give us small areas for which data can be published. And it's done as a one-off exercise. But what's novel about the project that we're working on now is that we're considering whether those sorts of automated zone design tools, effectively they're drawing boundaries on the map that allow us to say, here's the data for a small area. It's got a small population in it. It's useful as an analysis unit. And we could actually use those and provide them as a tool to a data owner. So when a researcher comes along with a request for access to administrative data, the data owner could make, if you like, a bespoke aggregation, which is detailed enough for the researcher to ask their question, but provides enough um, privacy by aggregation that the data owner is, is reassured that nobody's going to be identified because of their characteristics in this data set. So we're sort of taking something which has been used as a, as a one-off solution in the past and exploring whether or not this is a tool which should you know, be part of what happens in a secure data setting when people are asking for access to administrative data for research. And it's aimed at helping the data owner and the researcher find that safe space which gives us the best answers to research and the maximum privacy for the data. So as you say, for data providers, potentially it means reassurance that they're not going to do anything that might compromise a, a person's privacy. And I guess that you know, that applies to researchers too. Um, but, but what else does it mean for researchers who are really keen to use the data to benefit individuals, groups of people, society more, more widely? Well, we're certainly hoping that the, the route that we're going down here will help us to have, if you like, some more sophisticated decision rules that help the researcher and the data owner. Understandably, the, 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 if you like, the, the research community and the data owners are very concerned that using administrative data produces the best research outcomes, if you like, the best reuse of data that's often been gathered at public expense without any risk of disclosing information about individuals. And so the tendency, therefore, is to take quite a conservative threshold and say, well, we really can't deal with data that are lower than this level of aggregation. And that's the way, that's the approach we take with general purpose things like censuses. But often the result is that you can't distinguish the geographical detail enough to be able to answer some of the important questions. Just to take an example that's been in the news a lot lately, we know that at the moment everybody's concerned about atmospheric quality um, and perhaps how living close to main roads has an impact on children's health. Lots of research being done in that area. But it's no good if what you've got is large neighbourhoods with a road running through them and you can't understand the difference between the people who live near the road and the people who live further away. So we're trying to move into a space where actually there's a tool available to the data owner 
that allows them to work out what's the level of security that's needed while still optimizing the ability to answer the specific question. And you may make a bespoke aggregation of the data that allows you to answer that research question. These are all for researchers who are probably going to be working in a secure data environment, so they're not taking the data away. But we're protecting the data from the researcher while fine-tuning the aggregation to answer the research question. And we really do believe that actually that gives us the ability for the for the data owner to have a, a much sort of firmer understanding of the implications of a particular study and for the researcher probably to be able to use something which is much more um, well attuned to answering the research question than the kind of one size fits all general aggregations which we have to use at the moment. So we're, we're fairly confident of that and the way to demonstrate it and take it forward is to show that it works with synthetic data where there's no risk at all. So on that note, what's the next step for, for, for you and the team? So where we're at at the moment is we're just completing, if you like, the complete England and Wales synthetic data set. And so we've been looking at some real world studies where people are actually looking at access to public services, some outcomes where exactly where you live have got a bearing on what we think your, your, your outcome is likely to be. And we're going to run some of those research designs on our synthetic data and then let a set of researchers and a set of data owners look at them and discuss around that whether or not they'd be comfortable to use that tool with the real data. So our goal here is to produce some demonstrators that actually allow allow everybody to understand where the real issues are rather than being stuck with a high level aggregation and no means of going and exploring the space below it. We know already that these kinds of tools are something which is acceptable as an approach to national statistical organisations because they use them for things like the census. But what's completely new is the concept of using them in a per-project way that might actually help to produce bespoke administrative data extracts for particular projects. I'm very hopeful that we might have a new tool here which helps us to get much better value from the data and for everyone to be in a safer space and we're going to rehearse that in, over the coming, you know, during 2017, we're rehearsing that with some demonstrator projects um, that are not using real data and hoping that that paves the way for then going and revisiting, maybe using some real data extracts where everybody knows what the, uh, what the limiting characteristics should be. Dave Martin was talking to Chris Garrington about research from the NCRM-funded project The Anatomy of Disclosure Risk in a World of Linked Population Data. More information about the project and those involved is available in the research section of the NCRM website at www.ncrm.ac.uk.